Uh, my name is Willis. Uh, last time I spoke to you, I, I was in front of a camera in one of my own rooms in my house. And uh, right now I'm at your church with not that many people. Uh, and I wish to be with more of God's people. Uh, but I'm still really thankful for this opportunity. Uh, so let's get into today's sermon. Please have your Bibles open with, uh, with you as we go through it. Uh, this is my dad. Uh, my parents and I, uh, sorry, my parents divorced when I was around four years old. Uh, he went to live in Taiwan, his country of birth. So my dad and I, we don't actually see eye to eye on a lot of things. So he had a career in business that spanned well over 20 years. I didn't. Dad grew up in Asia. I grew up in Australia. Uh, dad isn't a Christian, and I am. Uh, Because of all these things, we often have a lot of differences in opinion about what's considered uh, acceptable behavior, what's a good or bad opinion, and many other things. Now, even though him and I are so different and often butt heads, I've always longed for a good relationship with my dad. And I think for most people, it's the same. Perhaps you haven't thought of it, uh, but for a lot of us, we really want a good relationship with our fathers. There's been research into the importance of fathers, and what what researchers have found is that fathers provide stability in our lives. Our fathers help to make a home, uh, sorry, a house into a home. And it can be terrible for the child or the family when they're absent. Well, even though it's important for us to relate to our earthly fathers, we're actually going to examine something even more important we're going to examine a relationship with the Father in heaven. Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at this I am statement from the book of John, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which we saw in John 14, verse 6. Uh, Where I'm hoping we end up today is to point out that Jesus' words are about the Father. And also, because he's our king, and we're to obey his commandments, as uh, chapter 14, verse 15 says. It's important that we get Jesus' words in one of the most well-known passages of Scripture. It's really important that we understand this bit. Now, throughout John, there are other I am statements, and the focus on the Father is what separates all the other I am statements from these, from this one. Jesus talks a lot about God, about the Father, in today's passage. So how does this statement relate? That's what we're going to look at today as we try to understand the king, this king that we call Jesus. As we go through this section, I'll split Jesus' statement to three. And so let's start with Jesus as the way. Now, what does it mean that Jesus, uh, when Jesus says that he is the way? Does it merely that mean that he's some kind of path? Is he some sort of method? Well. Have a look at the second half of this statement. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying that he's the way to the Father. He's the way to God. Jesus is how you get to God. And there are some other clues about uh, this within the passage itself. Let me read a bit between uh, chapter 13, verse 36, to 14, verse 5. 
Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So Jesus is going somewhere, and the disciples know he's going somewhere, and they want to know more. They didn't want Jesus to leave because they believe they'll be lost. But Jesus says they're not ready to know yet. Back to the passage. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? You trust God, so also trust me. I'll lead you to the Father, as Jesus says. He says he's the way to the Father, because he's prepared a place for us in his Father's house. Now what Jesus had in mind here was the buildings of the time. So back then, sons would add to their father's household uh, once they were married so that the entire estate grew up to be like some sort of large compound. It's kind of like renovating and adding an extension to your house. There were also very elaborate palaces back in their time, from the Greeks and the Romans. So, this is possibly what the listeners of Jesus' time would have thought of. And Jesus wanted to show a vision of a future heavenly living that was better and what was enjoyed by the most exalted ruler, a wealthy person of that day. It was going to be even better than that. This is what Jesus was communicating to listeners and readers when he referenced his father's house. And he is the only way to get there. Without Jesus, there is no way to the father's house. It also means that only Jesus can do it. Because no one is able to do what he can. You cannot get to God any other way. Not through being in a Christian family. Not through other religions. Not through being a good person. You must follow Jesus to get to God. You need Jesus to return home to the Father. Now think about it this way. Uh, let's say you need to go to a function and you're a guest. But to enter, you must say you know a certain person. Uh, I remember when I was 12, I got to sit in business class. It was awesome. Uh, there was legroom, amazing service. There were games in the year 2000. And how I got this awesome privilege was through my Uncle Peter, who used to be an important engineer for Qantas. Uh, he to the check-in receptionist and asked if I could have my ticket upgraded, and it worked. Now, I know there are other ways to get into business class, and it's not, it's not super exclusive. But for me, there was no other way for me to get into business class. I couldn't work or pay for it. I needed my uncle. Me, no uncle, no business class. It wasn't because of my job or my name. I got in because of who I knew. My uncle was the way. 
That's what we see here with Jesus being the only way to God. You cannot get to God, to the Father, without Jesus. There's no other way. And because Jesus is the only way to God, we can say this. No Jesus, no God. To get to the Father, you must have Jesus. In this world, uh, we have lots of voices telling us what to look at so we can understand life. The family, uh, friends, society, other religions. These things are all telling us how to make decisions and how to be what satisfies us. They're things that we think will be our God, whether we realize it or not. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He says that without him, you cannot get to God. So if you or someone else you know are uncertain about whether you want to follow Jesus, please know that without him, you can't get to God. You can't return home to the Father. Uh, But if you are a Christian, we need to remember that Jesus has given us the way to God. We can call God Father because of Jesus. We can pray to God because of Jesus. We have a future inheritance better than anything else because of Jesus. We owe everything of our relationship with God to Jesus, and we need to acknowledge and remember that. Jesus and nothing else is the way to the Father. And so I would say we have a responsibility to tell people that Jesus is the way to God and not the other things in life. We need to tell people that no one can get to God by being a moral person or through other religions. And as Christians, we know that there's no better life than life with the King. Let's tell others that. Because for everyone, it's the same case. No Jesus, no God. And that's the truth. Because that's what Jesus says. I am the truth. Does this mean that Jesus is some kind of principle? Uh, Well, no. Jesus is saying that he's the truth of God here. It just means that through Jesus, you truly know God. You can see this in 14, verse 8 to 12, where Philip makes a request from Jesus. (laughs) Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Philip asks Jesus to show the Father to them, but this shows that Philip just misunderstood Jesus or what he came to do. When Jesus came, people thought he was indeed the Messiah. But a lot of people thought he only came to heal the sick and liberate everyone from Rome. Back to the passage. Don't you believe that I am the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus came to represent his Father. But this is something that Philip and everyone else didn't really grasp straight away. But what Jesus is saying is that if you know him, then you know the Father. So what's happening here is that Jesus tells people that he is the truth of God. Through knowing Jesus, you know God. Jesus is on about what God is on about. Jesus gets his mission, his causes, his concerns from the Father. If you're looking to find out more about the Father, what he's like, what he cares about, how he tends to think, you can see him revealed in Jesus. Jesus perfectly represents the Father. You don't need to keep looking for anything extra to understand God. See, when we're talking about the way Jesus represents the truth of the Father, we mean that what Jesus is on about is what God is on about. He brings God's truth to the world in its purest form. So, when we think of Jesus saying that he is the truth of the Father, we can think of an ambassador of a country. Uh, so this man here, he's Joe Hockey. He's Australia's former ambassador to America. Uh, as you might know, ambassadors represent a state, uh, a nation, they're, that they're representatives of in their own government. Uh, they attend international meetings and functions, and they're usually there to work for their country's needs and promote uh, international relationships between their country and another one. So they know what's in their home country's best, inter best interests. So in this instance, when we think about an area that would be important for Australia to think about, uh, you may think about trade. Uh, Joe Hockey, uh, when he was one of the primary people representing our country, he would know that it's rally for good tariffs on products that are imported and exported. That's because he's the one representing Australia and trying to put it in good standing with America. What Joe Hockey was on about is what Australia is on about. Joe Hockey gets his agenda from the Australian government. He represents Australia in its relations to the Americans. And much like this, Jesus represents God as an ambassador, but so much more. He's God's chosen king. He's a mediator between God and us but he most definitely does represent the Father, and he brings God's truth to the world. And so as we realize that Jesus brings God's truth to the world, we can say that Jesus truly reveals the Father, his desires, his purposes, his agenda. If you know Jesus, you know God. Jesus, the Messiah, sent from God, came to fulfill God's plan in this world. And the Jewish people knew this. 
They knew that God would send someone to fight their enemies and win, that a massive political dynasty would be established forever and ever. Because their kings previously were basically politicians and military generals. They thought that this person sent by God would basically be the same kind of king. They thought this would be the Messiah that God sent. And when Jesus came and his disciples asked who they thought he was, what did they say? You are the Messiah. But they still didn't fully understand what Messiah meant. They kind of knew that the Messiah would come to help the people. But they needed the full picture of what God sent his Messiah to do. It's only when Jesus came that the entire truth of the Father came out. Only through Jesus did people understand that God's Messiah was sent to die and win against sin so that they could be with the Father again. Only through Jesus did people understand that he came as an innocent man to die a death on a Roman cross and take the punishment of sin onto him. Something that no human could adequately do. In essence, they didn't fully grasp who Jesus was. And in our day and age, we have a similar problem. What I mean is this. Have you ever heard of Jesus being referred to as merely a great moral teacher? Maybe you've been told that Jesus is a great guy. But there's no way that he's anything more. That's not what this statement says, though. Here... Jesus is basically saying that if you know him, you know God. That's the extent to how important Jesus is. He isn't merely just a man. He is also God. He is God, and he came into this world so that humanity wouldn't mistake who God is and what he wants for this world. Through Jesus, we know God and we know his agenda. To mistake Jesus as anything other than God, and therefore the God you're accountable to, that's to misunderstand who he is. So if you're still exploring more about Jesus, you think of him as an average guy, a great moral teacher, you're missing the most important part of who he is. Perhaps you or someone you know are getting to know Jesus and the gospel accounts of Jesus' life have been read. But to you or your friend, Jesus isn't God. He isn't king. It's worth finding out why that is. Please don't just leave it at that. So I'd encourage you to find out more about him. Jesus made a big claim about himself being God's truth. So let's take him at his claim and find out more about him. And for those of us who do follow Jesus, this is a key thing for us too. Because in many areas of life, we're going to look for things where we, meet, where we may think that God is, is speaking to us, or we want to know the direction that God has for us in our lives. But with Jesus being the truth of God, then we have to take this idea seriously. If you know Jesus, 
then you know God. In our lives, we may turn to might turn to many things which we believe to be God telling us things. Uh, perhaps dreams, uh, Bible roulette. You pick up your Bible, hold it on its side, and then you drop it to see what passage you have. Or maybe you look to miracles and wondrous signs. What I'm saying here is that we can know what God wants because Jesus reveals it to us. As you look to Jesus, you know what God truly cares about. What about the bit where Jesus says he is the life? You know that statement where people are relaxing and they kick back and say, ah, this is the life. Jesus' statement isn't getting at that. Jesus isn't your way, our way, my way to a comfortable life. He's saying that he is the life of the Father. And in this passage, we'll see what he means. And he captures it perfectly in this section, in chapter 14, verse 15 to 21. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. For he lives with you and will be in you. Here, Jesus says that he would give the spirit of truth to his followers, and they won't be lost anymore with the spirit. Great news. Next part of the passage. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Whoever knows his commands and keeps them, they show that they love Jesus. And because they love Jesus, they're also loved by the Father. And they are the people who will have life. Here, we need to see that in the first place, Jesus is saying that love for him isn't only just about words. If someone's love for him is real, it's shown by deeds. The lover does what the loved one asks. And he goes on to say that he will love them and show himself to them. Now, Jesus doesn't fully explain what this really means and what it looks like, but he does tell us in some way he'll reveal himself, show more of himself to those who love him. And so we see that with Jesus, he's giving the spirit of truth to those who love him. And thank God that he does that, because that us allows us to know what God's concerns are, and we want to know these things. It helps us to obey, which is important because, as he said in 14 verse 15, obeying him is loving him. But spare a thought for the disciples here, because 
they would have been confused. Thought, why is our leader, the Messiah, about to leave? We need him for our fights that we're going to have with Rome. But Jesus went to do something much greater. Went to his followers. Because if Jesus didn't leave, leave, we wouldn't have the Spirit. And that would mean our sin and its punishment would still hang over us. All of us. That would be a terrible problem hanging over people. Because without Jesus, there would be no life. I don't mean that everything would have stopped existing, but I mean two things that were related to the previous section. Now, just then I pointed out something key about the Holy Spirit, that he aligns us with God's concerns. And that basically means that Jesus gives people true purpose to life, that is, to be with the Father. Jesus gives the true purpose to living. He points out that we're meant to be with the Father. We're made to be with God. I've been using an analogy of returning home to the Father in my talk, and I mean that in every sense of that phrase. God created us to live with Him together forever. But sin ruined that. But thankfully, we're brought back to the Father by Jesus. Now, God's people are to live according to His Word, as that is the greatest purpose in this life. Because there's no other way for people to get to the Father. What could be a greater purpose than helping people to eternal life with God? What could be more important than leading people to the one who forgives their sin? Uh, until recently, at UQ, Queensland, I had the privilege of telling people about Jesus and explaining uh, ideas, concepts, and perhaps misconceptions people might have had about the Bible. Uh, at the end of my stint at UQ, myself and a student, I'm going to name him James, uh, that I met with, James helped to lead one of his friends, I'm going to name Greg, to Jesus. James was over the moon. And fair enough, he knows that there's not, actually nothing greater than to be with God. It only makes sense that he was excited about someone coming back home to the Father. And so as I finish today, there are two things I'd like you to take away from this. Uh, friends, if you don't follow Jesus, or if you know someone who doesn't, please know and be fully aware there's no other way to eternal life with God. There's no return home to the Father. Jesus gives life. He gives you life. He gives me life. Secondly, this can apply also to Christians. Uh, please know and be fully aware that what Jesus is on about is what we should be on about. We should be telling others about God the Father, the greatest good that there is in all existence. That is the greatest purpose to life, to tell others about the Father and bring them into a relationship with Him.
biblical friends, uh, brothers and sisters. Today we've looked at Jesus' iconic statement. Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. And how that's completely related to the Father. His words are all about God. Jesus is the way because he's the way to God. Jesus is the truth because he's the truth about God. And Jesus is the life because he is the life from God. Without Jesus, we couldn't have a relationship with God. And today's passage brings that out so directly. And friends, let's be thankful of what Jesus did and still does for us. Because without the Father, we're in a whole world of trouble. We would feel lost like the disciples thought they would be. Simon Peter, Philip, the disciples showed how confused and lost they were. And they knew it would get worse if Jesus wasn't there. But what they didn't know is that Jesus would be with them through the Holy Spirit. And thankfully, we have him. Because we have the Spirit, we have Jesus. Without Jesus, we cannot go home to the Father. We would have no eternal life. We wouldn't, be the, we wouldn't have the greatest purpose to life. We would be just as lost as the disciples. But we know God through Jesus. We have life through Jesus. Jesus has paid the punishment for sin. But also, he brings people back into relationship with God. He brings people home to the Father. We need Jesus to return home to the Father. Let me pray. Gracious Father, we praise you as the God who sent Jesus into this world. You sent the way, truth, and life, despite our constant rejection of you. Lord, we confess that we try to find other ways to come to you, through other religions, or through our good works. Thank you that your word tells us how crucial Jesus is to return home to you. Thank you that through the word, we know the one way to you, Father. We pray and ask that as your people, as Christians, we may remain firm on the fact that we are only a part of your family because of Jesus. Help us to bring this word to others and to be convicted of this. Help us to remember that through your Son, we know you. We pray this in Jesus' name.